0: to the CEC report for the 29th of June. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC researcher Robert Barwick. Welcome, Robert. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, People One, Banks Zero, Glass-Steagall solution introduced in Australian Parliament and foreign interference laws are a fascist fraud. So firstly, People One, Bank Zero, Glass-Steagall solution introduced in Australian Parliament. We did it. Yes, on Monday, the 25th of June, Bob Carter, the member for Kennedy, introduced our Glass-Steagall legislation on the floor of the House of Representatives. Um, this separates, of course, banks with deposits from those with risky speculation. Now this was a historic moment for this country, therefore we're going to play in full Bob's speech at the second reading.
1: I call the clerk.
2: Private members business, notice number two, banking system reform, separation of banks bill 2018.
3: And I call the member for Kennedy.
4: Um, I present the Banking System Reform, Separation of Banks Bill 2018, and the Explanatory Memorandum.
3: Members leaving the chamber could do so as
2: as can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the clerk. First reading, a bill for an act to re-establish confidence in the banking system to separate retail commercial banking activities involving the holding of deposits from wholesale and investment banking involving risky activities and for other purposes.
4: The member for Kennedy. I move this bill be now read a second time. Member for Kennedy may proceed. second. Yes. Um, the great upheavals in the Western democracies, the so-called free economies, which are really mixed economies, um, <clears throat> occurred. The greatest one being 1929, the Great Depression, um, and uh, I think. To understand what has taken place, you must read John Kenneth Galbraith's The Great Crash. Um, very erudite, very readable. You must read The Bold Riders, which the uh, crashes of the nineteen eighties, the late 1980s in Australia, the Laurie Connells, the Alan Bonds, um, <clears throat> the dreadful crash that occurred in Australia then, um, Trevor Sykes' The Bold Riders. And uh, You must read, of course, the uh, <clears throat> big short, um, the American book that came out after the GFC collapse. Uh, speaker, Having said that, the Great Depression was immediately addressed by the Congress of the United States with the Glass-Steagall Act of 1933. The Depression hit right at the end of 1929, effectively started in 1930, and uh, within three years they had drafted legislation to ensure that this would not occur again. And in um, that magnificent, small but magnificent work of Gaulbrace, um, he quotes the congressional hearings. And, uh, and I don't know the names of all the companies, Mr. Speaker, but they asked Goldman Sachs, they said, so you in fact owned uh, a company and floated a company called I'll call it Whitehaven. And uh, Whitehaven they said yes. And Whitehaven's total assets were shares in Blue Seas, yes. And Blue Seas' total assets were ownership of Sir Silver Surf. And Silver Surf's total assets were shares in... And it went on and on and on. And in actual fact, the only thing that any of these 19 companies owned was shares in the parent company right back to Goldman Sachs had floated it off with about 0.00001 per cent of their shares. So they floated off the company with a share issue in Goldman Sachs, which was of negligible value um, to Goldman Sachs and negligible value to the people. But what we're talking about here, that is called derivatives. When you don't buy a loaf of bread, you buy a contract to buy a loaf of bread. and That is what we call a derivative. Glass-Steagall came in and it overcame the vast bulk of those problems, so that the American economy ran fairly effectively to make it uh, three, four, five times the size of any other economy on earth until Mr. Bill Clinton, Mr. Free Markets um, himself, uh, even in the uh, notorious movies about him. He's um, addressing workers and telling them all that they'll be much better off when we free all the markets up. Um, and You will take some pain uh, in the shorter term. Um, in 1999 he abolished the Glass-Steagall Act. Within two years the dot-com collapsed, occurred, taking down trillions of dollars of the savings and superannuation and retirement monies of Americans and the rest of the world, and in 2008 we we're all familiar with the GFC. Now I mean clearly that timeline indicates the necessity for Glass-Steagall legislation in this place, and uh, I must single out by way of thanks because it's one occasion where I did not do the hard work on the bill, Um, thank Anne Pleish, my chief of staff, but Robert Barwick, associated with a number of organisations in Australia, very articulate, very intelligent and done some excellent work here. Wilson Sye, who is one of the great Australians, who is a whistleblower, but also—I don't like that term—he was a man who had the courage to say the truth when the truth was going to cost him greatly but would be a great contribution to this nation. So we played Dr Wilson's side, very great, uh, and uh, Bob Butler, who did a lot of the solid work in drafting this bill uh, and uh, bringing it into the Australian uh, economy. Um, Swan and put money into circulation the minute the GFC hit. And History books will be very, very kind to Wayne Swan as a treasurer. The opposition complained that it was given to people just to go out there and spend. Well, that's exactly what you'd do in a depression, to head off a depression. I mean, it was an incredibly stupid statement by the opposition at the time. Swananoggi guaranteed the big four banks, and that was a very good thing for both of them to do, both sides of the parliament, and I think that that needed to be done. So we headed off, and, and the other thing that really headed it off was the terrible evil in australia which is recourse lending so if you can't pay make your house repayments then the house is taken off you and sold out from under you for less than its loan value so the bank has the debt and you become a wage slave for the rest of your life you carry that debt and that debt accumulates interest for the rest of your life unless you take Bankruptcy. Um, so, Mr. Speaker, the situation in Australia is ugly, and it is evil, and this legislation is needed to overcome those um, problems. And what effectively it says is, Mr. Bank, you are no longer out there in the market, the arena, buying and selling. Now, your job is to loan to people that buy, sell, develop, invest. You don't do that, you judge them. And the bold writers, the Laurie Connells, the Alan Bonds, the all of those people from that period, if Alan Bond in fact had been restrained by prudential bank action, he would today be a great hero because he did a lot of wonderful things. And similarly with Christopher Scase, if he'd been restrained and controlled by prudential banking, APRA is not worth two bob. But if either of them had been restrained, they left great monuments for the Australian people. One of them being um, our, which is not working today because of another bold rider, um, um, the uh, the uh, um, um, nickel plant in uh, Townsville. I mean, those most beautiful tourist resorts in the world. These were the things that these people created. But because they had a the non-prudential banking system that allowed them to do whatever they like, they went out of splurges which destroyed all of their good work and took millions of Australians down and destroyed their savings, their superannuation, and their little bit of security that they had. Um, speaking, I include on this note, I jumped university uh, because everyone was making a fortune in mining. Um, and uh, my uh, now wife, she invested some money in a company called Toledo. I read the prospectus and there was more copper it was the year before decimal currency. There was more copper in my pocket. <laughs> Than they had in all of their copper reserves of this so-called mining company, and I said, "Ah, this! I love this uh, this uh, um, share market. Um, this is the greatest mechanism ever devised by man." For a smart country boy, to take take money off dumb rich city boys. So, so I jumped university to go out in the mining boom. The crash came, and. Uh, but we still bought mines in a production. Um, Mr. Speaker, the housing boom in Australia today—I mean, does anyone seriously think that we are not sitting on the brink of disaster? A quarter of Australia's population, maybe a third, live in Newcastle, Sydney, and Wollongong. The average price of a house is over eight hundred thousand. That means fifty percent of the houses are over that value, and yet the average income for an Australian after tax. It's about 50 grand a year. So I mean, how are they going to make their payments on a house? And yet they're buying houses. The banks are financing. Well, the banks make money when you go broke and they sell the house out from under you. They don't lose money, they make money out of what is good. They should be held responsible. Mr. Speaker, I would love to be in a business that is guaranteed by the government. If if I buy a corner store and I know that if I go broke, the government is going to give me the money. Everyone will be buying corner stores in Australia. But they are given this, but there is no responsibility placed upon their shoulders to act in a prudential manner. And that recent hist- economic history of Australia proves absolutely that the they are never, never involved in that. Kennedy's and I conclude by a quotation has- from Robert Menzies, Government must be involved if our economic democracy is to be preserved. I don't often quote him, but yeah. I will on this one.
3: The member for Kennedy's time has concluded. Is the motion seconded? The member for Denison. Mr. Speaker, I'm delighted to second the indefatigable member for Kennedy's bill and reserve my right to speak. The question is that this bill be now read a second time. The time allotted for this debate has expired. The debate is adjourned and the resumption of the debate will be made in order of the day for the next sitting.
2: So Lisa, you can see you have the wholehearted support of Andrew Wilkie there. I got to interview Wilson Tsai, who was with me, who Bob Katter has kindly singled out with myself and Bob Butler for the for working on this bill. And this is what Wilson and I discussed in Canberra on the day. This is Robert Dalek reporting from Parliament House in Canberra for the CEC Report and I'm joined by Dr Wilson Tsai, the former Principal Researcher of APRA. We've just witnessed Bob Catter introducing the Australian Glass-Steagall legislation to Parliament, the banking system reform. Separation of Banks Bill 2018, which is quite historic. So now we've got the bill in play into Parliament to get it passed. Um, Wilson, a couple of things. What are your impressions? uh, And just for the sake of the viewer, how important is this legislation for Australia? Well, uh, I think the financial system is too complex for the regulators. There is no
3: derivative... Uh, regulation, to speak of, uh, with
2: 445 or more trillion dollars of exposure, which are not even uh, understood. To derivatives. Of derivatives. Yep. uh I think we need a much simpler system, for the sake of Australian businesses, and for the sake of all the problems with the uh, housing bubble. And, uh, and I think glass Eagle will uh, help in a lot of these problems that we're having. So we're going to keep working in Parliament while we're here today, talking to more Members of Parliament about this. But we only got to this point because of you, the viewer, the, the CEC supporters and acquaintances around Australia that have been helping with this by lobbying Members of Parliament. So the, ball, the bill is now in play. Right? And now we've got to get support for it over the coming period so we get it debated and we get it voted on and we don't let them delay it. So that's us signing off for the CEC report from Canberra. So there you go. It was exciting to be there. Let me just emphasise though, it's the people who work with this out in the community that are responsible for this. Now, your work is going to be very important to actually getting it debated, etc. So keep working with the CEC, get a copy of the latest Australian Alert Service where we elaborate on what happened this week Call your members of parliament now. It's not about getting the bill seconded, it's about getting it passed.
0: Yep, we'll be right back.
2: To find out more about what you've just listened to, go to www.cecaust.com.au or call the CEC on our toll-free number, 1800 636 432, for a free copy of the Australian Alert Service.
0: Welcome back to the CEC report where we're discussing the tabling of our Glass-Steagall legislation in the Parliament this week. Now, Robbie, what's the significance of what Bobcat has done here?
2: Lisa, it's huge. The banks are going to hate it. They do hate it. They hate it because it's going to stop them from gambling with our deposits. They also hate it because it's the government... Putin asserting its authority back over the banks and saying, here's how it's going to be done right. Don't step out of line. They hate that more. And to illustrate this, I want to play a clip from the United States three years ago, where in the lead up to the US presidential election, a candidate who our friends over there worked with, Martin O'Malley, who didn't end up going anywhere, but he launched his campaign by taking on Wall Street and announcing Glass-Steagall, right? And for, for doing that, He got called Wall Street's public enemy number one. And I want you to see this clip to have a look at it. You can't even risk going the Democratic route. Well, that's something Charlie Gasparino has been picking up from from a lot
4: of the bankers, brokers he talks to, especially when they hear not Hillary Clinton, but this other guy, O'Malley. Charlie now in New York on on this, I guess, doubling down on, on, on batting down the classes, right?
1: Well, I just want to say I have my uh, Rick Perry glasses on, and I i, I actually he inspired me as, as a fashion of uh, choice, so just, just, the governor won me over on That's that. That's just a, a, a total <laughs> snide aside, but I admire it, but go ahead. Um, listen, Martin O'Malley is now, like, I would say, uh, persona non grata, public enemy number one in the halls of Goldman Sachs in the halls of BlackRock the big money management firm uh all throughout Wall Street right now. I mean what he said yet uh Saturday and Fox News picked it up. Uh he basically took uh basically borrowed a page from one of the comms I wrote about how Wall Street is fine with either Hillary Clinton or Jeb Bush. They think both of those candidates would be very well for their bottom line. He picked that up in a way that the Wall Street was not expecting, and ran with it. Put it in his speech that said he was going to run for president, run for a Democratic nomination, and right now people on Wall Street are talking about Martin O'Malley. Now, those, and what they're really worried about, I believe, is not that he's going to win, is that he's going to force her so far to the left with that resonating message. That she uh, doesn't do some of the things they want her to do, like water down Dodd Frank. I mean, they really think that if she gets in there, if Hillary Clinton gets in there, Dodd Frank will be watered down to a point where they can do proprietary trading using their own capital to trade, which is outlawed right now. That various aspects of Dodd Frank will be freed up so the banks can go back to making a lot of money. Uh, Not that they don't make a lot of money now, but even more money. Clinton era money. Um, and he's going to raise that issue with them. The question is, does he force her to do something really outrageous, like call for a breakup of the banks? I mean, I wonder if she goes that far. Anyway, that's what, peop- that's what she people might, are saying. She on might hint it,
0: but she
2: might not do it,
4: you know?
1: So we'll see. We'll see. You got it. So, as you can say
2: Lisa, the issue was because this guy pushed glass And what happened? Well, Hillary Clinton didn't adopt Glass-Deagle, but Bernie Sanders did. Donald Trump did. They all campaigned on it. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party both adopted it in their platform. And Wall Street was flipping out. and They've been flipping out ever since. they Trump hasn't come back to Glass Steagall. He's been. This is one of the reasons he's been very distracted by the RussiaGate stuff, et cetera, right? But what it did, it set in train all these things that Wall Street did fear. Now, over a couple of days ago, a Bernie Sanders-backed candidate did an upset, um, achieved an upset in the primaries in New York against an establishment Democrat, and she campaigned for Glass-Steagall to Mm. do it. Glass-Steagall is now out of the box worldwide, and what Bobcat has done here is not just significant for Australia. The banks around the world are going, oh, my God, this is what we fear. As you know, like banks in, in, in Wall Street in London were going, oh, no, this might lead to people talking about breaking us up here. Right, so that's the significance of what it's done, and that's why if we push it here, it's going to have global ramifications.
0: Yep. Now we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back to discuss foreign interference laws that have just passed in Australia after this.
2: To find out more about what you've just listened to, go to www.cecaust.com.au or call the CEC on our toll free number, 1800 636 432, for a free copy of the Australian Alert Service. Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome back to the CEC Report. Now we're discussing foreign interference laws are a fascist fraud. So last night the Foreign Interference Bill package passed the Senate Rammed through, Lisa. Yeah, they rushed it through, of course, before these by-elections coming up. It's supposed to stop foreign interference into our pristine politics yep. uh, and espionage. Of course, the background is that our dangerous Anglo-American allies, so-called by former PM Malcolm Fraser, the US and the UK, have told us we are to fear China and Russia, the great power ri- rivalry with these countries. Uh, is the the major threat. Foreign
2: foreign powers are trying to influence us to fear other foreign powers.
0: Exactly. Um, Now these laws have been directed, as we've said, by the Five Eyes spying alliance, the UK, US, Canada, Australia and New Zealand. And this was admitted in a Financial Times article of the 27th of June. Australia leads Five Eyes charge against foreign interference. Um, now, these matters were raised in a gr- brilliant way by Andrew Wilkie in a speech on the floor of the House of Reps on the 26th of June, which we'll watch now.
3: Deputy Speaker, it goes without saying that uh, the security of our nation and maintaining that security is uh, clearly one of the most important roles for government, uh, and doing so as a general principle has my full support. Um, but when it comes to the achievement of our national security, uh, no government no government whatsoever has any right to ever be misleading or hypocritical. No government has any right to misuse national security in the lead up to by elections or an election. No government has the right to take us down the road to being a police state. And I regret to say, Deputy Speaker, that there's more than a whiff of all of those concerns in these bills that we are debating here in this place today and which we will shortly vote on. Um, Yes, we do need legislative reform to counter uh, foreign interference and foreign espionage in our country. But the way we do it has to be ever so carefully crafted and crafted in a way that safeguards the liberties uh, that we hold so dear. Um, And these bills today, do not achieve that standard and I won't support them. Indeed, I think the way they are currently presented to the Parliament, Deputy Speaker, uh, is disappointing and they are bad bills. I think that the fundamental deficiency in both of the bills today is in the broad definition of national uh, security uh, and foreign and foreign influence. Clearly it is way too or they are way too broad a definition and they should have been remedied before the bill came to the House. When you, when you look at the context, when you look at uh, the, the bills we are you know, dealing with today, and you look at the deficiencies of them, I will go so far as to say Deputy Speaker, that Australia is in a, a pre-police state. We have passed far too many security laws, and far too many of them have been unnecessary. Um, Our independent media is slowly being diminished with reductions in their funding. Um, uh, uh, Papers being checked at airports with no good cause. The right to protest in these bills effectively diminished. The fact that um, any protest, as I said earlier, any protest such as protesting against the Adani mine, if the government wants to say it is a threat to our economic national security, then you can be accused of committing an act of espionage and be charged
2: under, under these bills. So, Elisa, what Andrew wookie is saying there, look, these laws are getting out of control, basically. And yesterday, to prove that point, the government arrested an ASIS whistleblower who blew the whistle on, on bad behaviour by the Australian government. He's now being charged for revealing what we're up, actually up to. And these kind of laws allow that kind of thing to happen.
0: That's right. So that's all we've got time for this week. Call us for a copy of the Australian Alert Service. And if you're in Western Australia, don't forget to support the campaign of Barry Mason in the upcoming by-election. Thanks for tuning in.
2: To find out more about what you've just listened to, go to www.cecaust.com.au or call the CEC on our toll-free number 1800 636 432 for a free copy of the Australian Alert Service.